It seems today that all you see is violence in movies and sex on TV. Alright, welcome back to the seventh episode of the Family Guy Funny Cast. I'm your host, Sean. I am your other host, Joe. And today we'll be talking about episode seven, the season finale of season one, Brian, Portrait of a Dog. Alright, so jumping straight into the summary for the episode. Yes. A freak heat wave hits Quahog, and a dog show presents an opportunity for the Griffins to win enough money for a new air conditioning. But Brian doesn't want to compete. They convince him to perform, but Brian refuses to beg for a treat, which causes the Griffins to lose the show and Peter and Brian to fight on the way home. Brian gets out of the car and walks around alone, when late at night, a police officer confronts him, giving him a $10 fine for not having a leash with ID on. Brian and Peter continue to argue until it's revealed that Brian was a stray and Peter picked him up. Brian ends up leaving, going around town, being mistreated, before eventually being arrested for being a wild dog and brought to the pound. Peter had finally realized he missed Brian, but finds him right before he's being arrested. Brian is ordered to be put down, but they try to appeal the case, and Brian studies law in jail. The appeal fails, but but Peter bribes the judges, letting Brian go, and then he sees the um, police officers that arrest him, and has a final confrontation with them, and then cuts back to the family at the house, and they're all happy that their dog, Brian Griffin, is not put down. And that's the episode. That was an episode for sure. Mm-hmm. So how did you how did you feel? Because I know you were you were longing for a Brian episode. Yeah. Uh, so I like the Brian lore. I thought it was a solid addition. Um, I like getting to know the fact that uh, Brian Griffin, their dog, uh, <laughs> was a stray that Peter had picked up. Uh, it doesn't really say when. Um, the characters look the same. Well, Brian looks like. Like a homeless dog. But Peter looks the same, so it doesn't really give you an indication of how long ago this has been. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can't try to use real-world internal logic, um, because by any reasonable means, Brian Griffin should have died of old age and not being hit by a car. Um, but he's, he's still kicking, so... See, so yeah, I don't yeah. really know when it was supposed to be, but it was in the past. I assume it has at least been since Stewie was born, because... It's always operating under something that Stewie has always known Brian. Yeah, I think we should operate under the assumption that it's been a couple of years at least. Yeah, I think that's fair. There's definitely enough time for them to get to know each other uh, and know what like they do and don't like. Um, so yeah, it's been a little bit. Um, I thought this episode was incredibly heavy-handed. Um, oh, it's... yeah. So, in this episode, Brian's plight is supposed to symbolize the plight of black Americans before the end of segregation. Mm -hmm. Um, I wrote down a list of all the ways they do that. Um, So, when Brian is racially profiled by the police... uh, Well, first off, just being racially profiled is usually a... Or, racial profiling is a problem minorities face. uh, But, obviously, police will arrest anyone. Um, And they also call Brian boy which is a common ter- term used to denigrate black men. Um, there's a no dog sign, which is meant to parallel like a no... Well, th- th- I'm not going to say the word they would have said back then, but uh, no black people allowed sign. Uh, you can't eat at restaurants, which is to symbolize how uh, there were segregated restaurants that black people just were not allowed to eat in. Um, you can't drink from the water fountain. Uh, Because black people and white people used to have different water fountains. And usually the black people's water fountains were awful. Um, He literally says at one point, I'm a second class citizen. (laughs) (laughs) Your dog, Brian Griffin, is a second class citizen. Um, And then they uh, reference Plessy v. Ferguson, a landmark Supreme Court case. Which established the doctrine of separate but equal after uh, Plessy, who was a eighth black tried to be on the luxury whites-only train car and was rejected. Uh, and then it ruled that while legally, because this was post-Civil War, there could not... Black people could not be barred from entry as long as they had somewhere else to go. So a separate but equal policy allowing segregation as long as it 
the places were segregated were equal, but then that the equal part never happened, and uh, almost always uh, black only uh, restaurants and establishments were always of awful quality and care, to say the least. Yeah. Also, yeah, uh, this is very clearly like Brian Griffin is a black man. Um, I have some thoughts on that, um, but I think we'll save that for the end because at the end is where we go into more of like a real analysis of things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we'll, we'll get back to this. Yeah, yeah, we sure will. Mm-hmm. So what did you think of the episode? Well, I remember th- thinking it was pretty funny, and that's uh, th- that has definitely changed. <laughs> yeah, this episode was not that funny. It was <laughs> I wouldn't say it was like a stinker like that last episode, but it was like pretty pretty mid. Yeah, I I would I would probably call this episode offensive. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I wasn't gonna talk about that part. I just went as a comedy is pretty mid. <laughs> uh, Not to be yeah. a, a liberal snowflake about it, but yeah, That's maybe, maybe you shouldn't compare like segregation and like uh, racial profiling to being a dog. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't compare minorities to dogs. That's just that's just my take on it. <laughs> yeah. Call us libtards, call us cucks. Um, but, you know, maybe, maybe that's a no-no. God. Mm. I, I was even thinking during the episode when when, when Brian was doing the, uh, what do you call it, studying yeah. in jail. I was like, oh man, he's, he's going to invoke Plessy v. Ferguson. And then he fucking <laughs> did. Because of fucking course he would. Seth, who wrote this one? I'm gonna look it up. It because it, it fucking it was not Seth. Yeah, because Seth probably only wrote like three episodes. Brian, portrait <coughs> of, of an epic Doge. Seth McFarlane only wrote three episodes, but they're all the really racist ones. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Genetti. Who? Gary Genetics. All right, sir. <laughs> this is pretty cringe. <laughs> Maybe he was coming from a good place. He was the executive producer of Will and Grace. Okay. That was uh, a pretty this... forward-thinking sitcom of its time. Was it? I I thought it was a white people show. Well, it is definitely a white people show. For sure. For fucking sure. But it did have... Um, well, the protagonist, the titular Will, was a gay man. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I've never seen Will and Grace. Me either. I've yeah. uh, I have consumed Will and Grace purely through cultural osmosis, nice. and the Wikipedia yeah, the only, page I'm looking at right now. The only gay sitcoms I watch are Full House. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about progressive? They had three dads. They had three dads, and they only mm-hmm. had daughters. Mm-hmm. Not a son in the house. Actually, that's not true because Jesse had twin twin boys. Yeah, but that was that was much later on. Once you're like, we, we need to get on. some, we need to get some male representation. But yeah, it's kind of crazy. Like, imagine trying to pitch uh, the concept of Full House now, where it's like, all right, so we have this man who raises his three daughters with his two best friends, and they all refer to them as the father of the of the children. <laughs> because I remember there's one episode explicitly where uh, Uncle Joey goes to one of the girls' schools and is like, I'm her dad. And they also know her dad is, um... I forget the main dad's name. Something Tanner? Danny Danny Tanner. Tanner. Yeah, Danny Tanner. Uh, And they're like, hmm. Uh, But yeah, so three dads. You know, just some fellas hanging out in the same house. Just three dads doing what three dads do. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I wanted to find that clip. Or that episode so i searched uh full house uncle joey dad and <laughs> the, first, the first result is kind of interesting let me um because you know wikipedia has that or google has that shit where it pulls 
information from websites so you don't click on the on the website and you give them money right so it, it pulled all, these, all it goes to google yeah it, so it pulled these this cast list bob saget you know and then under that mm-hmm. it's hiding this result it's hiding really <laughs> internet who was the real father of the full house children on <laughs> on decider.com this like, article is from february 24th 2016 okay here i'm gonna read this this uh first well this third paragraph here all right actually no the the second and then the the theory whether you want to be a tanner more than Kimmy Gibbler, or you remember Full House as part of that giant block of 90s programming you skipped, chances are the show has affected you in some way. Over mm-hmm. the show's eight seasons, the tanners helped to define what it means to be a family sitcom, and it inadvertently assisted to making comedy so very much darker. Many of those super dark sadcoms we now adore, myself included, that's the author's insert, were created as a sort of backlash to Full House's overly cheery brand of comedy. In honor of the premiere of Fuller House and the unintentionally dark legacy Full House has, that's a big fucking stretch, we're delving <laughs> into one of the most most plausibly disturbing fan theories out there. The oh, paternity no. of the Tanner children. <laughs> What's the theory? <laughs> Uncle Joey, Dave Coulier, is actually the father of the Tanner children. What? This theory has popped up on r slash shitty fan theories, but I think it's plausible enough to take seriously. <laughs> this is a good basis for an article. This, hey, Decider, <coughs> this is fucking fantastic. Keep up the hard work. Yeah. You're doing your job well, which is to write a shitty article for people like me to read on a podcast no one listens to. Yeah, hey, that's good news. It means that there's someone who takes their their art form even less seriously than we do out there. <laughs> like, hmm, today I will look up shitty fan theories and go, actually, this is how it's real on Decider.com. <laughs> and not only am I stealing their content by reading it on this podcast, I'm stealing their content because I have Adblock on. Yes. So you lose twice, Decider. Get over does it. it say? Does it say how Uncle Joey could be the father? Wait, wasn't one of the dads was the brother of the dead wife, right? Yeah, Jesse. Is that Joey. Was... Oh, okay. No, I, I wasn't sure. Okay. I would hope All it's right. not thought, Joey. Yeah, I thought they were submitting like an incest fan theory. I thought this was going to get crazy, <laughs> but we can't all be so lucky. Yeah. Real quick, does it say like what their evidence for him being the the biological father is or is this just like he may not have been your dad but he was your father or whatever okay they do here is the first line of support okay i love my friends a lot but dropping everything to help my bestie raise her three kids at age 25 seems like a huge sacrifice however that sacrifice doesn't seem as shocking if dj stephanie and michelle are actually joey's illegitimate children which would mean Joey was having an affair with his best friend's dead wife. Then there's this thing called genetics, and then it's because all the kids have blonde hair. Oh, no! (laughs) The seed is strong. The chances that the dark-haired Danny and the blonde Pam would have three blonde children are only 12.5%, according to Kraft. (laughs) Leading genetics research team John Cheese and Gladstone Crack.com Those chances jump dramatically with two blonde parents (laughs) This is literally some Game of Thrones shit It's like What are the odds of a tanner not passing down his block hair? It's never been seen before in history. This can't be his legitimate children. The seed is strong. (laughs) The Reddit post only has 35 upvotes. (laughs) Pam on her dying breath is like, the seed is strong. No one knows what it means. One of the comments says, I'm thinking Joey was her brother. What? <laughs> Joey and Jesse were both <laughs> her brothers. Also, wait. Here's one major problem to you geneticists out there. If if uh, Jesse is Pam's brother and Jesse has dark hair, then that would imply that Jesse's parents 
also had at least one of them would have dark hair which shouldn't that raise the probability in this case if um dark hair would be a recessive gene which i know like simple like mendelian alleles aren't how all genes are passed down i don't really know how hair it works but mm-hmm. i feel like this like kind of throws a wrench into your own plan you know you know that's why i make Let the me... funny cast and not 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 fan theories yeah here, let's look up Jesse Katsopoulos's parents. Yeah. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Here, I'm gonna send you a screenshot of this. Okay. And, and then I want you to I want you to to describe what you're looking at here. All right, all right I can do that. All right, so <laughs> I. <laughs> <laughs> it says Jesse Katsopoulos <laughs> slash parents in the little Google pop-up thing. And it's just a picture of Michelle Tanner. <laughs> Wait, was Michelle the youngest? Was she um the Olsen twins? Or was she the middle one? She's the Olsen twins. Yeah, okay, so it's a picture of, of half of the Olsen twins. <laughs> Man, uh, I can't believe uh, all the Olsons were going to do so many drugs. Wouldn't you? No, not not if Uncle Jesse was my dad. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, okay, I, so what do you, Jesse's What do you think dad, John Stamos thinks of where the, what they've become? I, I don't know. What, Google, what does John Stamos think of Olsen twins? John Stamos was in a You, the show uh, that's now on Netflix... It was a real surprise, because, like, I thought he was dead. Uh, I mean, to sum I... up John Stamos' decades-long relationship with Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen in two words, it's complicated. And that was <laughs> as of October 2nd, 2015. Okay. Sorry, please I mean, continue. I, like, I knew he wasn't dead, but I thought he was, like, gone. Like, I thought he was, like, out of the public sphere. And then I see him again in You, like, six episodes in. It's like, whoa! Uncle Jesse! Yeah, what he, are you he was... doing here? <laughs> He was still doing shit, but not shit I was watching. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's good for him. He still looks really good for his age. Oh, like, yeah. He's, he's got fucking good-ass jeans. Yeah, like, his, like, face and, like, his skin and everything still looks like he's, like, in his peak. It's just that, like, his hair has started to, like, fade and, like, he's starting to go gray and stuff. But, yeah, he looks good. Yeah, he he's 56 years old. He's actually younger than I thought still. I thought he was more like... I thought he was a little bit older. So, so good, good for him. Good for him. God damn. Good for you, John Stamos. Uh, mm-hmm. Real quick, before we move back to the show, the app <laughs> that we actually cover, uh, Jesse's dad does have black hair. Uh, his okay, mom has, has lighter hair. Okay. Uh, family Guy. Family Guy, Alright, well, so... I, I'm on the article, the Cracked article of the, <laughs> the fan theories. And Cracked looks fucking different now. It's just like any other List website. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Hi, I love yeah. listicles. Alright, uh, one thing I did like with this episode is right in the middle. Uh, they're like, why can't you, uh, Peter and Brian, go back to how things were in the old days? And then they go into like a Squatch and Stretch, stretch style animation... Of them out in the yard. And I thought that was cool. <laughs> yeah, a little steam, Steamboat Willie kind of cartoon. Mm-hmm. And a safe falls on Brian, but actually he's just in the safe now. He has to get let out. You know, it was, <laughs> well, it was cheesy, but I like yeah, it. Yeah, classic old cartoons. Yeah, it, it also Sorry. definitely indicates like a level of like <clears throat> effort that, from what I understand, we will not be seeing in later seasons. For yeah, them to, like, switch up their, their animation style just for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, did this episode predict Cuphead? Um? Or, or did Cuphead rip off this Family Guy episode? Think about yeah. that. I'll be sending hate mail to the Cuphead devs until I get an answer. Um. Yeah, we are now starting a campaign to harass them. Cancel the Netflix show until we get a fucking answer. There's a Netflix show? Yeah, they're 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 finna make a cartoon of Cuphead. Whoa, Cuphead cartoon. It's, it's for people who aren't good enough to beat the game. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
It was announced in July last year. Oh, okay, nice. Uh, anyway, that's the Cuphead Minute. Yeah, that's the Cuphead Minute. Um, do I have anything else that I liked about this episode? Okay, I have two funny jokes I liked. Um, I'll need to think of which one's my favorite. Okay, so this one is, this one is my second favorite, I guess. Um, during the dog show... They call the announcer calls Brian Brain, <laughs> um, and then at one point the family is cheering for him, and I'll go go Brian, except for Chris who yells go Brain, <laughs> and then uh, my actual actually, do you have any jokes that you liked that were not your favorite that you want to talk about? Nothing major. Okay, there was uh, the the Jeopardy one. When Peter, uh, he hits the buzzer and he yells out, diarrhea. And then he laughs and says, oh, oh, what is diarrhea? You know, that, that funny poo-poo joke is right up my alley. (laughs) Funny poo-poo. Funny Funny (laughs) poo-poo. Um, alright, so my favorite joke was, during the trial, the Griffins start to, like, confess the crimes they've committed. Mm -hmm. Uh, and Chris goes... I stole ten dollars from Meg's room. Then Meg goes, "I stole ten dollars from Mom's purse." And Lois goes, "I've been making counterfeit ten dollar bills for years." <laughs> and I thought it was funny because uh, Lois has been established in uh, these last few episodes that she's pretty like strict morally. Uh, she was against drug use, swearing, and gambling. Yeah, in this episode, uh, she chastises Chris for saying nipple. Mm-hmm. And then she chastises Peter for offering to give Brian uh, drugs. I'm not exactly sure what drugs they were, but there was something, all right. It was definitely a blue pill, which you you don't want to take. You want to be red pilled. Mm-hmm. You want to uh, be red fun... pill AF. Yeah, a fun little Matrix fact. Um, so the how do you say the name of the people who made the Matrix? The I think it's Wachowski. The, the, Wachowski Wachowski sisters. Sisters. the Wachowski sisters made the Matrix before transitioning, um, but at the time when they made the Matrix, the blue uh, a blue pill was the color of um, estrogen pills, which you take as part of a HRT in order to transition. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh no no sorry the red pill was um, the color of estrogen. Um, but they had since switched that, so I think now the blue pill is the color of estrogen, which means, like, that little, like, bit of meaning in there has been lost to time, because in the moment, the red pill was the estrogen pill, but now it's not. Uh, I learned that from a lesbian who biked up on a bike, and was like, hey. Hey. <laughs> As I was, hey, <laughs> she started telling me Matrix facts. Want to learn about the Matrix, boy? I don't remember her name, uh, but she was cool. She sounds cool. I want to learn about the Matrix. Well, uh, next time I'm protesting pro-life vans at my college campus. Give <laughs> bikes on off. I'll connect you too. <laughs> Give her my number. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, my favorite joke was, you know me, I like the silly, stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when Peter said, um, it'll be easy, like taking candy from a baby. And it shows him reaching into a crib to take a baby's lollipop, and the the mom slaps his hand away, and they keep repeating that and speeding it up super fast. <laughs> it was funny. I noticed that they were just reusing the same like animation, just like faster with less yeah. like, in between frames. That's but that I thought that it worked it better. better. Yeah, I agree. That's what they needed to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, starting this episode. I've wanted to introduce a new little, like, segment in the podcast, uh, where, essentially, uh, Family Guy makes a lot of pop culture references, and this is an episode from 99, so they're pretty dated at this point. Uh, Mm -hmm. almost all of them I didn't get, so I I wrote them down, and I looked them up, so I could give a little explanation about what they are for someone who watched this episode and has no idea what they're referencing, because that's probably most people. Um, so... This list is in order of when they occur. Uh, in the opening gag, they reference eight, an Eight is Enough reunion show. It was Eight is Enough as a comedy drama show 
about uh, a father with eight children. Um, and in during the filming of the first season, the actress for his wife died of cancer. Uh, and then they integrated that into the show, having his wife actually die of her his television wife die of cancer, and he became a widower widower from the second season on, uh, which I thought was interesting because I feel like a lot of shows like I don't I don't know what a lot of shows would do actually like like what do you do in that situation? Yeah, like at first that sounds kind of fucked up. Like, oh, what do you do? Do you recast them? That's kind of not disrespectful but it's kind of weird it is very to, to weird ta- yeah. take over someone's shoes like that and then like, and it's uh, also one thing to look like oh yeah just recast it but like I'm sure for the actors like this is someone who you knew and got to know and then they just died and you're just gonna recast them like that's weird too yeah like uh, I think the most recent example I, I know of is uh, Luke Perry in Riverdale he played Archie's dad and in, he was a pretty major character. Like, he wasn't a main character, but he was uh, one of the more prominent parents. And uh, mm. Luke Perry died in real life uh, in March last year. He had a stroke. And in the show, they killed um, they killed him off. Um, he's I actually didn't know this. He dies in a hit and run in the oh. show. Um. And Archie, with his friends at his side, set out on a quest to bring his father's body back to Riverdale. What? <laughs> what the fuck? I thought Riverdale was a show about, like, teen drama. Why are they going on, like, a quest to retrieve the body of the father? Oh, that show is fucked up. You don't even know. Well, you don't even know. We'll save that for the Riverdale funny cast. <laughs> I think we should do that. Because... <laughs> That first, the first season is pretty fucking good, and the second season just shits all over that. <laughs> it's just fucking insane how much goodwill they piss away. <laughs> all right, maybe maybe coming soon a little a little, little side project. Uh, Archie's father pushes a woman out of the way and ends up being struck himself. Hero. God, I I cried when Luke Perry died. I love that man. Damn, I'm sorry. Wait, so that you don't you you haven't been watching Riverdale, right? No, I have not watched since season two ended. So, do you I, think they a, like made like a huh? CGI amalgamation of Luke Perry to have him push this woman out of the way, or like they'd film this for something else and they used the footage, or they're just like, oh yeah, that's what happened. I don't think they would have filmed this for something else because he uh, he died in March, and by then they had wrapped on the season. And typically, these C- CW shows. Or at least like the the arrow and all those ones they don't start filming until the summer oh okay so if they if that was something that they already had uh it would have been cut but i don't think so and i haven't watched obviously i haven't watched this episode um i don't think i ever will i'm sorry luke and you mean until we start the riverdale funny cast yeah yeah sorry until we start the uh the riverdale archie cast uh, yeah, until we try to prop it off your death, uh, we will not be watching this episode. Oh, that just made me sad. <laughs> I'm sorry. I say prop it, but like, we're, we're probably going to lose money on it just like on this one. <laughs> uh, hey, if you like us, uh, please donate to our Patreon. Uh, $15 will get access to our private Snapchat. No screenshots, no screen recording. <laughs> we see any of those, we will block you. We will report you to the police. You are stealing my intellectual penis. <laughs> I, I would have said, I would have said IPP. But... <laughs> Sorry, I didn't have time to workshop that one. I see you the moment. It's okay. Next time. Next yeah. Ne- time. Next. Next time. Next time. Um. All right. Next reference. Uh, Lisa Minnelli. She was a famous singer and actress, uh, you know, type that did it all. Uh, she also had a huge drug issue. Um, uh, according to Andy Warhol, she went to his house once and told him to give him all the drugs he had. Um, she might have also just been robbing him, I don't know. Maybe he's misremembering the way it went down. <laughs> um, it's too bad we can't ask him. Yeah. Died in a tragic soup accident. Rest in peace. Yeah, why do you think he's dead now, hmm? 
cardiac uh, oh. arrhythmia? I don't think so. That gallbladder uh, surgery was botched on purpose. Is that how he died? Follow the money. <laughs> A fun Lisa Minnelli fact. She sang backing vocals on the My Chemical Romance song Mama off the album The Black Parade. Whoa. She really has done it all. You may mm. also recognize her from Arrested Development. She plays Lucille too. See? She, she really has done it all. Um, next Damn reference right. was The Lady and the Tramp. Uh, you probably should know this one, but if you don't, it was a 1955 Disney movie about dogs. And the iconic scene is they share a plate of spaghetti and then they're like eating the spaghetti, but it turns out it's just one long noodle and they go in and it makes them kiss. It's cute. You, if you haven't seen that scene in The Lady and the Tramp, you've definitely seen it parodied or homaged in something else. Yeah. They they suck on the spaghetti, and then uh, a mouse walks in and says, "Somebody touch on my spaghetti." That's a that's a meme from a few years ago. Somebody <laughs> touch on my spaghetti. That's a good one. Look it up. Um, yeah, classic meme. Yeah, it look, yeah, look up like know your memes. Uh, you can lull an XD the night away. Um, next reference was uh, Joyce DeWitt. She was an actress on Three's Company. That's really the main thing she did. Um, she was in hiding in this episode. And uh, Brian goes, oh, that's where you are. Uh, I couldn't find anything out about that on Wikipedia. So maybe it was just like a little minor cultural incident that like wasn't big enough to get written down. Uh, sorry about that one. Uh, m maybe she just stopped working. Yeah, maybe. I think that's probably right, I it. Yeah, I couldn't find anything. This is definitely the reference here. And then the final reference was to MacGyver. Uh, it was a 1985 show, I believe by the same name. Uh, and MacGyver was known for making uh, elaborate contraptions out of little things and like solving his problems with it. Uh, I don't know. I've never seen the show. Me either. Yeah, that's old people television. This isn't this isn't uh, boomer millennial zoomer style Family Guy. No, that's no, it is not. No. There's actually a reboot on CBS, so it, it is still old people television. <laughs> yeah, no one I know is watching the MacGyver reboot. No. Dude, they make so much television. Like, there's so many shows being made. I just don't know who's even watching them, like. Yeah, it's fucked up. Like, there was, like, a lot of shows that I, I think were made, like, direct-to-streaming services for, like, minor, like, streaming platforms, like, stars and stuff. That have like actually like hundred viewers, and then they get canceled because they have a hundred viewers. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we need to cancel the funny cast. We don't even, we can't even break a hundred. Hey, we're getting a show on Queeby soon, so don't even trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cannot legally say the name of it yet, but we will disclose to you uh, the show mm -hmm. at some point. I, th I think that'll be be a good reveal. Yeah, we got this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um... Use a hashtag HB if you're excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and those were all the references I got. There was one reference that I did not get, but I assumed it was a reference. When they were watching TV, and it was some ad about feeling clean down there it was like a feminine hygiene ad um it was brian's favorite uh i can't classic I mean, I pervert even, brian mm -hmm. i didn't even know where to start to figure that one out so uh, i think that one is just a parody of of uh, menstrual product ads nothing yeah specific. Pro pro probably nothing super specific oh, yeah. and those are the are funny mm-hmm yeah, and uh, those are the references of this episode, or at least the ones I got. Maybe there was some all over my head. I don't know. This show is not known for its subtlety. If this episode didn't demonstrate that well <laughs> enough, hey, I have a question. All right, Lois. If Lois is spending money on fancy Italian dog collars, why the fuck can't they afford an air conditioner? <laughs> that is a good question. Like, what yeah. the fuck? Yeah, Lois buys him a fancy Italian dog collar. Um, but they can't afford a five, at least $500, or at most $500 AC. 
I don't know. Yeah, she Brian's getting ready for the show, and Lois walks in and goes, "It's for you. It's Italian." Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck? You know that shit is primo. <laughs> primo fucking Italian leather dog collar. And you make counterfeit money? You can't afford a fucking <laughs> air conditioner? No one has ever accused middle-class New England moms of having their priorities straight. I think Lois was the villain of this episode. <laughs> she probably was. She yeah, wanted that's... Brian to do the show. <laughs> she She knew... That they had the money. And so she fabricated the situation so that she wouldn't have to... So that Brian would have to work for the money. Like a... Oh my god. Like a... Like a... I don't even know. I'm so I'm so fucking mad. I can't even form, <laughs> formulate my sentences. God damn. I can't Lois? believe Lois would set Brian up like that. I know. Yeah, so this might be a little uh, subtle theme going throughout the episodes, but we'll, we'll be on the lookout for any symbol, any signs of uh, antagonism between Lois and Brian going forward. Notice the show is called Family Guy. Do you think Lois is upset about that? Do you think she wants her, her time in the limelight? Why not Family Maybe. Wife? <laughs> not Family Wife? Not Family Dog? Family Guy? Family Guy. Specifically Guy. As in... Not... As in... Bader. Not family husband, not family man, family guy. Family guys only, girls not allowed. Well, lucky there's a family guy. Lucky I don't know the rest there's of the a family guy. Yeah, I blanked well, that bit. That bit failed because I couldn't remember anything. <laughs> we'll get him next time. We're only seven episodes in. Good thing they never changed the opening. Yeah. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Alright, so, I think let's get into the real elephant in the episode, um, the conflation of dog rights with, uh, civil rights. (laughs) Hey, civil rights are dog rights. (laughs) I I don't think we can say that. I don't think we can either. (laughs) Do we... Do we leave that in? Yeah, I, th- I think we can leave it in. <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> oh, man. That's just what uh, Seth is saying. Yeah. I'm just okay. parroting what I'm hearing. Now, I will say, in the possible defense of Seth MacFarlane, there is one way to ana- analyze this that you could take it favorably for Seth MacFarlane. However... I think this is once again a scenario where I would be looking into something that's not there. <coughs> so I don't think there's a Seth MacFarlane intention. But I will lay this on the table because maybe this is your interpretation of this. You know, like, death of the author or whatever, all that postmodern stuff. Like, it doesn't matter what Seth MacFarlane meant. Mm-hmm. Um, it is possible that the what he intended this to say was that upper-class, white, suburban, wasp, liberal types can would sooner empathize <laughs> with... <laughs> I, I always have trouble with that. I don't know why. Same. With, with the plight of a dog over the plight of a black person, which is essentially calling out for their hypocrisy, saying that they can recognize the humanity and the rights of a dog, but won't recognize the rights and humanity of a person with a different colored skin which once again I don't think this is what Seth was going for I don't think there's enough to support it but maybe if you're an avid Seth MacFarlane fan and you refuse to admit that uh maybe maybe he's just got a few swing and misses you could take that as the meaning for this episode do you think this is like the result of some kind of monkey's paw wish for uh by somebody to make the show they were working on more socially conscious. Like, <laughs> God, I wish I was working on a more socially conscious show and then fucking Gary Janetti busts out this banger of an episode. <laughs> you got your yeah. wish, whoever the fuck you were. I mean, like, I don't think anyone on this show was making this show it intentionally, like... 
I, I just don't think they realize what they have done <laughs> in making an episode where they comp- compare the horrors of segregation and Jim Crow era America to being a dog. <laughs> oh, uh, on that note, um, so after Brian gets arrested and uh, he's brought back to the house and the cop starts to leave, he says, you be a good boy now. And then Brian says, oh, lordy, lordy, I'll never roam again. <laughs> oh, yeah, he says it in, like, a stereotypical southern black man voice, like. Yeah. What like, he fuck? says it in, like, the ch- the church-going black man voice, like, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean, and I know the listener does, too. we better. I got your back. Hell yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, like, subtlety, uh... I would give this episode a zero out of any number, really. Like, zero out of a million. There's literally no subtlety here. No fucking... No subtlety. Like, this is almost as bad as, like, putting Superman in front of, like, a stained glass portrait of the crucifixion of Jesus. (laughs) That's epic, though. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's epic. <laughs> this is like when, uh, in the 90s, um, the Punisher became black. And I'm not saying, like, oh, a black person took over the role of the Punisher from Frank Castle. Frank Castle literally underwent a procedure and he became a black man. <laughs> Wasn't there also an comic where, um... Lois Lane becomes a black woman, and she's like, Superman, would you still love me if I'm a black woman? <laughs> God, yeah. But that one, that one was, is a lot older. Lois oh, Lane, okay. Black, well, I'm gonna look that up, because I, I Yeah, wasn't that like, like 70s or 80s? Oh, fuck, that's from the fucking 70s. Okay, alright, I'll let that one slide. That is, the civil rights movement had just ended. So, so like, I'll let that one slide. I, I'm not gonna <laughs> let that one slide. That's the 70s, they should have known better by then. I'll I'll let it slide just because I feel like they did honestly have the, the best foot forward there. Um, and I imagine, I don't know, this is probably a bunch of white people who didn't even know how to handle talking to a black person, like... God, no. When did they count with Black Panther, though? Because, like, who, oh, was, who made that? Jack Kirby? Like, he was, he was pretty woke. Yeah, oh, yeah, Jack Kirby, for real. Um, Black Panther was the 60s, I believe. Um, he first appeared in a Fantastic Four comic. Um, was the no Black one... Panther Party, like, I mean, I guess it had to have been a thing then, but I thought the Black Panther Party was, like, late 60s. Yeah, 60s to the 80s. Um, okay, here we go. July 1966, Fantastic Four number 52. Okay. Uh, and the Black yeah. Panther Party started in 66. What 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 month did it start? July. Uh, the Panther Party started in October. So that's actually pretty pretty quick. Hmm. I wonder what, did they name themselves after T'Challa? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. The Black Panther Party was first. Um, it was Wait, October. No. What October do you mean, no? is, October's after July. <laughs> Fuck you, right? <laughs> what are you talking about? I've had a rough day of internet school, <laughs> alright? <laughs> oh, man. It's okay. It's okay. Anyway, what matters here is what the what were we talking about? Oh, uh, uh, we were talking about Jack Lois Kirby's Lane being woke. black. Yeah, Jack Kirby yeah. and Stan. Like Stan Lee had his issues. Like he was kind of he was like nineteen sixties sexist, which is not an excuse. Um, like he wrote the Fantastic Four, uh, and he, well, I think he and Jack all like co-wrote it, and he kind Stan like made the Invisible Woman, like, more of a passive character. Um, like, more of a, like, not a whiny wife, but... You know what I mean? Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. And... 
uh, Jack Kirby. That was like against what he wanted for the character. Uh, but anyway, Black Panther, 1966. Lois Lane becomes black, the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to find where they got the, where the Black Panther Party took the name from. Uh, if the, this could have just been this would, think, this would be a weird coincidence. I, but I don't know. Anything's possible. I, th- I think it is a coincidence. Uh, yeah, well, I'm, what I was suspecting is that maybe they had some sort of like, um, they both drew influence from the same thing, maybe. But I can't, yeah. I can't find that. Um, you know what? If I find out, I'll get back to you on the next episode. Um, but I don't want to spend too much time looking it up right now. Yeah, I think we've already wasted so much time wait, looking this up. Yeah. Lois, you're white again. The effect didn't last as long as I expected. <laughs> yeah, that's enough uh, racism. Yeah. Um, one interesting part of this episode that I did notice was that um, at one point, Brian has reverted back to being like a homeless dog. And like he's back in like his like stray look. Um, and someone calls him a wild dog. And eventually, like, he says, like, um, you want me to be a crazy animal or something? I wrote, I wrote the line down. One sec. He says, you want me to be a crazy animal? Okay, I'm a crazy animal. And starts barking and growling and, like, snapping at people. Um, what I thought was interesting was that, uh, there have been a lot of studies that have, I don't know how many studies, but I've seen it mentioned in one. I found, like, some original studies about it. That uh, the role of stereotyping helps enforce the behavior of the stereotype. So, like, um, in this case, I think the metaphor was supposed to be, like, if black people are commonly portrayed as violent or dangerous, it makes them more likely to be violent and dangerous. Um, And I just thought it was interesting because at least studies have shown that... um, the role of stereotypes help uphold the status quo and that um there's some level of performative power of a stereotype on the way someone like will the way people perceive someone can impact the way they perceive themselves and will impact their actions um i thought that was interesting and i don't really know if family guy meant to comment on that in that way um I don't know. I don't want to give Family Guy too much credit, but I also don't want to no. g- not give them credit if they did mean that. Because, like, what yeah. else would they have meant? Yeah, and that that study makes sense. I mean, like, how many times... I don't know if you have done this, but, like, how many times have, like... Like, you tried to do something, or, like, you tried to show off this aspect of yourself, and people just put you down. Like, say you... You try to show, like, that you're smart, and, like, you... right you like you you work hard to study and then like you you pass your class or the test you ace it but no one gives you credit for it and they keep putting you down as an idiot like oh that's a fluke and then that just that puts you down so you don't even bother trying to show that you're you're not what they think you are like i've so many times like i've tried to show someone that i'm not who they think i am or like this aspect of myself doesn't exist like they think it is but I just give up because it doesn't seem to be making a difference. Right. Yeah. I, there's a real perf- performative power to, I think, just about everything in the world. Um, I, I guess just to clarify what a performative power means in this case, uh, the way I've always had it described is like saying, I now pronounce you man and wife or um, husband and wife is performative because by saying that under certain situations, will actually marry two people. And that's the example of a very like, direct and overt performative power of words. Mm-hmm. But then if you were to say, I now pronounce you uh, man and wife, that also has performative power, but it's different. Like, what kind of like different expectations does this convey by saying man instead of husband? Or you could say, I now pr- pronounce you um, husband and woman. I'm like, what does that mean? Like... Um, I think everything you say on some level has some sort of performative power because any, like, definition of a word, or not any definition, I, what, any connotation of a word is entirely referential based off what the person hearing it, 
like associates it with. So anything you're saying might almost will never be intended or never taken exactly the way you intended, but instead will be inflected by their own experience and subjectivity for how they interpret what they're, what you're saying. Um, mm -hmm. And I think on like a, like a larger level, uh, things like stereotypes can be incredibly controlling in that way because if everyone's perception of you is this like um to take it to look at an example that's not about black people like let's say like asians are good at math or a very common stereotype i'm sure everyone listening to this has heard this um and you are an asian american person then either you when someone says that what are you how are you going to handle it how are you going to react like if you are good at math are you affirming the stereotype are you going to be ashamed of yourself for like fitting into the stereotype proud of yourself for being good at it are you going to consciously reject it and like either like refuse to be good or try to minimize that aspect of your life um there's a bunch of different ways to react to any sort of stereotype but like i don't think in any cases it's good because it's enforcing someone else's view of your own life onto yourself and how you handle that is up to yourself, but that's an imposition I don't think anyone should be doing onto someone's life and experiences. Yeah, and even positive stereotypes, like I positive stereotypes, yeah. like 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 you can say like like that one. Uh, all Asians are good at math. Like what happens? Like if you're Asian and you're not good at math, like you're yeah. If you take that really personally, that's probably that's going to like fuck you up because like that. To a lot of people, stereotypes, uh, I think I'm going to make a blanket statement here, stereotypes, like, establish your worth to them, I guess. So, like, if you're, yeah, like, like, say you're in a math class, you go up to the Asian kid, say, hey, help me with this, with this calculus, but that kid is struggling more than you are, like, yeah, but you're just like, that, oh yeah, he he's an Asian kid. He knows what he's doing in calculus. Yeah, he, he knows what he's doing. He can help me. But that kid is struggling, and that that makes them feel worse. Like, cause they, yeah, they're Asian. They should be getting this, but they're not. They're a failure. It's it stereotypes. Yeah, man. or Fuck. even or let's say like <laughs> you are Asian and you are good at math, but not because it's something you were gifted at, but it's something that you worked hard at and like struggled for and someone's like oh yeah hey <laughs> like asian guy help me out with this calculus problem and like they just assume because you're asian you're good at math and like they don't understand that like this is a result of hard work and effort and not just like a D, &D style racial trait <laughs> where asians get plus two to all math rolls <laughs> yeah this isn't my proficiency bonus this i busted my ass to do this mm-hmm Give me props for that. Not because it's my... Whatever. Right. I, 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 I think we've bad. gotten the point. Yeah. We, stereotypes we have, are bad. Don't do them. Nailed yeah. this. And we're just beating that dead horse. We didn't like get anything this episode of here. Family Guy. Yeah. This Family Guy episode brought to you by racism. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just surprised that they weren't even more heavy-handed... And, like, I don't know, had, like, Brian, like, recite, like, a Martin Luther King speech or something, or, like, interpolate it, like, like, I dream of a day where dogs are determined by the, I don't know, some something dog, like, the skill they're fetching, and not the sheen of their coat, or some shit like that. <laughs> Listen, it didn't sound very good, but... I don't know. The, the bar for the writer, I just gotta be a family guy <laughs> level. Like, I think it was pretty heavy-handed as it could get. Oh, it could get a lot heavy-handed. Where was Dog Malcolm X? Where was the Dog Nation of Islam when you needed them? That would not have gone over well. No, no. Are you saying like this episode did go over well? Well, a lot better than if they started comparing Muslims to dogs. 
Yeah, yeah, that, that, would, that would have been a bad move. Yeah, yeah, it sure would have. M- maybe hear me out. Call me, okay. call me radical. Maybe you should not be comparing oppressed groups to animals, no matter how favorable a comparison it is. No, and if you're gonna do that, don't use real examples. God yeah. damn it. Don't don't reference Plessy v. Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Don't Don't do the the drinking fountain things. Not if your characters are animals. Yeah. Oh, you know, th- this just hit me while you're talking. I think also just one of the fundamental problems of this episode is that it's not a social commentary. This is just like a recreation of the civil rights movement, but about dogs like this has nothing to do with like addressing like contemporary um like systematic discrimination other than just like the police part um but that's not like really emphasized enough like this episode does not try to make commentary on the uh systems of racial justice in america now it's just a comparison to segregation which was ended in the 60s which is legally and formally ended in the 60s Uh, you can make arguments like the continuation of an informal segregation with it like redlining and stuff like that but that's besides the point um and so instead of trying to make new commentary it just like interpolates old commentary or not old commentary, old events and old commentary on that, and it's like, haha, now instead of black people, it's dogs. Yeah, it, it interpolates all that and just makes it worse. Yeah, it makes it worse without emerging with some sort of message that is applicable to today, so it fails as social commentary, which I think is part of the reason why it comes across as so heavy-handed and like, ugh, that's kind of gross. Yeah, speaking of gross, how about when that dog was uh, showing off her 52 oh, nipples in the jail? Oh, yeah, that's pretty hot. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that's what I wrote down, too. Yeah, I think uh, we, in that instant, we were all Peter. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the dogs, uh, it was some big aggressive dog, like a, not a Rottweiler, like a I bulldog it, mix or some shit. Probably supposed to be a pit bull. Yeah, probably a pit bull, uh, who had been, like, being rough to Brian in the jail cell was, uh... Looking at his dog girlfriend's like forty nipples, and then Peter's <laughs> staring at him. She was rubbing them on the glass. Oh yeah, man, that the feel when no dog GF, <laughs> no forty nipple dog GF. Damn, guys, life is fucking unfair. Take me out, send me home. Give me the give me the corona. I'm out. One I more quit. night alone, heaven. I'm coming home. <laughs> One more night alone without 40 dog nips in my mouth. <laughs> I yeah, can't take um, this shit anymore. Yeah, that was the season finale of episode one. Um, somehow Family Guy was renewed for a second season. Somehow, yeah. Somehow, some way. Um, and I a third. Uh, yeah, and then that, then they got the message to cancel it. Maybe, maybe they had just gotten around to watching season one. It's like, oh my god, get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> sir, sir, we can't. We already renewed it. <laughs> Fuck. God. Cancel it as soon as possible. God damn it. Get me that contract. <laughs> get um, McFarlane in my office. Now. Seth McFarlane, Russ- please, please come on the pod. Yeah, uh... Rest in peace, Seth MacFarlane. Yeah. I'm really sorry your show got cancelled once. Yeah. And, th- and then again. I'm really sorry, uh... Border Town did not get renewed for another season. I know yeah. that was... Wait, when, did, when was Border Town... So was this Obama era or Trump era? I, th- I think it was Obama era. I think Let's so, see. too. 2016, so... You know, kind of both. So Seth MacFarlane saw Donald Trump, he saw his rhetoric, and he's like, you know what, let's make a show about the border. And I bet in, like, Seth MacFarlane's Pete Buttigieg supporting liberal mind, he thought this would be, like, a social good he was doing. Like, (laughs) see, I'll show how us and them, we can get along, and why we don't need a wall, and why borders (laughs) are good, but walls aren't. 
God, Border Town takes place in the fictitious town of Mexifornia. Alright, strong start, strong start. Oh my god. I think we have to do some episodes on Border Town at some point. Yeah, there's only 13 of them. I think that's that's like two ep- two bonus episodes max. Yeah. You know, if I search it up and it says TV series 2016 dash, giving me hope. Wait, no, this is a different border time that's still going on. Never mind. <laughs> this, is, this is about, like, Finland. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is a Finnish TV show that's still going on. Never mind. <laughs> the real border town has been killed. Mexifornia is said to be based on the town of Calexico, California. Cal- Do you know Calexico? where that is? It's an imperial county. Uh, so it's near the border. Makes sense. Yeah, there's oh, an American border, a border town, town and a Finnish border town that both came out in the same year. Well, the better border town won. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's all... Actually... This is all we have to say for this episode. Um, so, so next episode will be the start of season two. And are we still on for our um, season two special guest? We we will figure it out. We will find a way. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, there's a coronavirus quarantine. Um, so, you know, things are... There, 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 there's been a few wrenches thrown into the plan. But... We've been intending to have our first special guest on for the first episode of season two. And in one way or the other, we should still make this happen, right? Yeah. God willing, I know Seth MacFarlane has, the moment he heard about this series, been trying his fucking hardest to cancel us and get us off the air. But it's Mm -hmm. not going to work. I know coronavirus was all him. Um, Yeah. But who boy, you can't keep us down, baby. Mm-hmm. Seth MacFarlane tried to pass the uh, $2 trillion stimulus bill in order to get me uh, $1,200 so I'd stop making the funny cast, but I didn't make enough money in 2018 to qualify, so... Yeah, can't, guess who can't, wasn't can't... working in 2018, baby? This guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was working. I just only made like a thousand bucks. It was just a summer job. Yeah, I... At that point in my life, I was not in a position to work, and now I'm doing a Family Guy podcast, so who came out yeah. on top? Yeah, this look guy. at the real winners, Congress. Um, but speaking of which, I do think uh, some of that, uh, of the, the $1.5 trillion that are going to bail out businesses that are too big to fail, I really think that the Family Guy Funny Cash should be included in that. Um, re- really, if we fail, who else is left to talk about every single episode of Family Guy? No one. Nobody. No one. You, you think you can get any other podcaster, Joe Schmo, to do this? You think you can get, like, Pod Save America to do this or like the dollop? No, those, those guys don't care about Family Guy. They are they are they don't got the, the sweat of the brow, you know, real real working class boys who just want to watch some Family Guy. No, they don't care. We're, we're doing what only we can do, um, which means if we fail. Family Guy fails, so I think we need some of that bailout money ASAP, because we've been in the red the entire time we've existed. We are losing money. Um, but it's okay. Joe? Uh, I'm sorry, I muted cough, and then I was talking, and then I didn't realize it. (laughs) This is why we need the stimulus bill. This is why we need a stimulus package so we can afford to cough. Please, Mitch McConnell. I'm begging you. Yeah, Mitch McConnell, you have two options. Bail out the funny cast. Or die of coronavirus. This is not a threat. This is a fact. This is not a threat, Mitch. Bail us out. Or die. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, Mitch, I might be able to throw in a little uh, bonus for you if you know what I'm talking about. If you uh, bail us out, yeah, we got some. Uh, we got some counterfeit ten dollar bills for you, baby. Mm-hmm, we can put them right in the jelly bean drawer. <laughs> <laughs> we'll cover them in your favorite flavor. Mm-hmm. Just let us know which one that is. Yeah. All right, uh, Mitch McConnell, reach out to us. Um, 
once again, thank you for listening to another episode of the Family Guy Funny Cast. Uh, we're exci- we are excited to bring you the first episode of season two at some point in the next week. Um, if you haven't noticed what... Okay, our upload schedule has not been consistent enough for anyone to notice this, but we are trying to upload every Monday. I say this as it's currently Wednesday night. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll try to be uh, at some point between Sunday, and Mo- Sunday Monday, Tuesday. Um, yeah, we will try to be consistent. Yeah. This All outro right. has gone on for way too long. Oh, yeah. Um, thank you for watching. I am your host, Sean. You can find me on Twitter on at, at, at VinceGod. I'm your other host, Joe, at WaterSlap. Thank you. Bye-bye. Goodbye.